All right, Runners High family, welcome back. This is episode number six of our What's Inside the Box podcast, a show on all things running related. We have a very special guest joining us today, one of America's top distance runners over the last 15 years, Ben True of Northwoods Athletics. Ben holds PRs of 7.35 in the 3K, a blistering 13.02 in the 5K, 27.14 in the 10K, 62.10 for the half marathon, and 2.12 for the full. Ben has made six U.S. World Championship teams between cross country and track. He's the former American record holder in the Road 5K and just an overall great guy. He's a New Englander at heart. Growing up in Maine, running and skiing for Dartmouth University, and now residing in Hanover, New Hampshire for the last 15 years with his wife, Sarah, and their son. He's an absolute legend in our sport. and We were so appreciative to host him for this hour long chat where we discuss everything from how he balanced running with his other athletic endeavor of Nordic skiing, to how his training philosophies have evolved over the years, to training solo for the better part of his professional career, and much more. So without further ado, our conversation with Ben True. Alrighty, Runner's High fam, we are here with the one and only Ben True. Uh, ben, thanks so much for taking some time out of your afternoon uh, to sit and talk with us here on the uh, What's Inside the Box podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Definitely, man. Um, just had a, a, a birthday, uh, right? Turning 38. I did. I so, did, yep. <laughs> happy, uh, happy belated birthday. Oh, thank um, you. I know we're, uh, we're about a year or two apart. I'm closing in on 40. Um, so I don't know, you looking at master's stuff or anything like that. <laughs> I feel like I've kind of hung them up uh, myself. But, um, but yeah, so definitely want to thank you um, again for, uh, for jumping on here. So, um, I always love to kind of start with people's origin stories, you know, because everybody mm-hmm. has like a different relationship with running and how they found it. Um, so for you, I mean, you've been one of the, um, you know, most accomplished, you know, distance runners over the part of the better two decades, I, I would say, uh, in the U.S. Um, you know, so you're really kind of like the personification of, you know, longevity in, in our sport. Um so I guess if we kind of roll back to, to when you first started getting into it, um, you know, how did you find the sport of running? Um, you know, when did you kind of uh, take to it and, you know, really love it? If you, if you do love it. Yeah. You know, so. yeah. Uh, no. So, uh, I mean, growing, I grew up in Maine um, and growing up in Maine, um, I was the type of kid that was always outdoors running around and doing everything active. Um, but it wasn't until... I don't even remember what year it was, but it wasn't until my dad and uh, a neighbor of ours started training for the Boston Marathon. Mm. Uh, They were training to both qualify and then to race at the Boston Marathon. And so they started running all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And me being an impressionable, I must have been uh, elementary school age. um, You know, that was the cool thing to do is is see them running. So uh, I joined, there was a local rec program um, where... You know, is running a half mile is maybe the race, mm-hmm. um, and so I started doing that um, and really enjoyed it. And and uh, remembered, you know, racing for the popsicle sticks. They handed out popsicle sure. sticks yeah, yeah, as, yeah, as yeah, like yeah. the numbers. Um, and actually, quickly got um, 
good success doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And so it kind of lit a fire, a competitive fire under me that, you know, I wanted to keep running. Um, and so I started doing that um, all the way through high school. Um, in high school, I started uh, doing a lot more Nordic skiing and I really mm-hmm. enjoyed Nordic skiing as well. Um, and it was one of those things where everybody told me I could go places through my running. Um, mm-hmm. but skiing was what I actually really enjoyed doing. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. and that was like my first love. And, uh, so when I was looking at colleges, I really wanted to be able to do both. Mm-hmm. Uh, and looking through the different colleges, Dartmouth was one of really the only few that actually with some arm twisting would allow me to do both. Okay. Um, and so I did that. Um, but even at Dartmouth skiing was definitely my focus. Um, there was hmm. a few times when I considered, uh, quitting running in college, hmm. um, okay. and, and just going the skiing route. Um, it, it to the point where uh, at one point I said, all right, what's the what's the only thing I'd want to do uh, to finish my running career and mm-hmm. be done with running forever? And that was to break four in the mile mm-hmm. because it was at the time. I mean, it still is, but it's become mm-hmm. less so um, this like benchmark that people who don't know running know this benchmark. They understand right? that. They understand yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I did that and my thought was to never run again. And I actually took some time off from Dartmouth and moved out Mm. to, uh, Sun Valley, Idaho, um, where, uh, uh, former ski teammate of, of mine at Dartmouth, uh, lives and, and Mm -hmm. started training for Nordic skiing. Um, I seriously thought I was never really going to run competitively again. Um, (laughs) but it was out there. First time I was ever at altitude, uh, first time in a, uh, there was a, there's a very well-known, the ski, uh, the Sun Valley Ski Education Foundation, uh, like post-collegiate training group. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I really was training hard in skiing and I really wanted to go all in on it. And I really burnt myself out. I, I mm-hmm. skied, I trained way too hard. Um, and so one of the things that my coach at the time was having me do was he was like, all right, you're, you fried yourself beyond belief. So mm-hmm. let's back things off take take a couple weeks off of doing nothing um but what he would have me do is go out and do a 10 to 20 minute shuffle jog every day or every other day just to like move the body and like Mm -hmm. help and aid in recovery um and it was while i was doing that i mean i was both depressed i was both you know exhausted um Mm. but while i was doing that i realized man running just comes really naturally to me. It was like, mm-hmm. it, it's something I don't have to think about. It's something that I can like go out the door and immediately hit a stride. And it feels, uh, it just feels second nature. It feels like mm-hmm. that's what I'm supposed to do. And so it was through that, that I realized, Hey, maybe I got this whole wrong and maybe, you know, maybe running is something yeah. I, I should, I should probably do. Um, and so <clears throat> came back, finished Dartmouth and, um, I was like, all right, I'm going to be a runner now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, uh, talked with, uh, Frank Gagliano, mm-hmm. uh, and Vin Lanana, who were part of the Oregon track club out in, mm-hmm. uh, Eugene, Oregon. Um, and they started recruiting me to, to move out there to run. And, and basically everybody told me, you know, if you wanted to be a professional runner, you know, you move West, you go to Eugene or mm-hmm. you go to Portland or, you know, you go to one of these big places. Um, and that's where, that's where you do, you join this training club and that, and that's what you do. And so... I did. I, mm-hmm. um, it was actually the time when Frank Gagliano had just left 
he still recruited me, but he mm-hmm. he never coached me. He had just left, and Mark Rowland was uh, came in at, to be the new coach. Is that when uh, Gags kind of came back to, for to back east for NJNY? Yeah. Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're kind of right. They were right up kind of our our direction. Oh, okay. they were like our kind of like local oh, pro nice. club. Yeah, oh, yeah, very yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, and so I went out to Eugene and quickly realized it was not for me. Okay. Um, it was. I'm a New Englander through and through, mm-hmm. and it was something about, um, while it was a great situation for running, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't necessarily a great situation for Ben, the human being. Sure. Um, and so I kind of, I was there for maybe 10 months, and mm-hmm. I made the vow when I was out there that if I actually wanted to do this, I needed to make sure that first and foremost, Ben the human was happy. And that mm. first and foremost, I was in a situation that I always enjoyed mm-hmm. um, outside of running. Um, mm-hmm. And so I moved back to Hanover, New Hampshire, where I went to school. And I haven't left since. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I've been here in training. And um, it has um, made things a little bit challenging mm-hmm. training here. Um, because majority of my career, I, I had to train alone, um, mm-hmm. which I Definitely don't think I ever was able to reach my fullest potential training mm-hmm. alone. Um, it's definitely beneficial to train with others. Sure. Um, but it was something as me as a human, I really liked it here. And me as a human, I never wanted to be all consumed by running, by taking my life and moving it someplace just for running. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted to have things outside of running to be able to be. I didn't want to identify solely as a runner. Mm-hmm. Um and so that kind of has taken me to where I am now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think uh, that's a great point. I mean, I think, again, like a lot of us, um, well, like we identify as like it's such a large part of most people, I, uh, most people's identity. Um, and I can only imagine it, it at your level. Um, but, to the, you know, I wonder if and again, like just throwing it out there, I wonder if it kind of came from your initial love of, of skiing and you kind of had that diversification to begin with, where some of us... Um, mere mortals it was like no we were good at one thing you know and then that was it you know so that was our thing but um but yeah i mean so to kind of just look back a little bit um you know it was just so funny i was like you know i'm a fan of the sport fan of you um and but still doing my due diligence you know trying to look up hey you know, accomplishments, all this stuff. Dude, I just started to get so lost with everything because there's so many, like not to just, you know, kind of blow smoke. But um, but the really intriguing thing, I think, about kind of your journey uh, is, again, like going back to that longevity in the sport. And, you know, one thing from, um, you know, just kind of looking at your uh, running your personal bests in the 5K and the 10K and how far apart those were from one another, I think there was what, like a seven or eight year differential if yep. I'm not mistaken. And to, 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 uh, I'll let you on a little yeah, secret. Yeah, yeah. Those were the two uh, years I had training partners. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Everything else well, in yeah. the middle, I ran by myself. By yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So I was able to come close a few times running by myself, but um, I, uh, yes, training yeah. with other people make things a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I can imagine, especially in New Hampshire too, um, it being some long and cold winters, I would, uh, I would imagine long, cold miles up there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, from a longevity perspective, you know, what, what can you really kind of look at and pinpoint as to, um, how you've been able to do that? And, uh, you know, was it, Maybe the fact that, I mean, obviously cross-country skiing, you know, 
beat you up quite a bit to the point where you know it fried you out but do you think maybe not taking running as crazy competitive even you know uh in the beginning of college allowed you to kind of have that longer career or so yeah i think there's a few things um Mm -hmm. one i think i'm just stubborn sure right right. most of us are most (laughs) of us are (laughs) yeah Uh, so i think i think that is a big piece of it um Mm -hmm. but i think because i was training alone a lot Mm -hmm. of it um i was able to do i was able to see training in a different light Mm. where Mm -hmm. i started to i was forced to learn more about training i was Mm -hmm. forced to understand the whys of everything because i didn't have uh a coach uh, in in person that i would go and talk with Mm -hmm. um i I was coached remotely Mm -hmm. um i didn't uh have other training partners to be like all right this is what we're doing let's just go do it Mm -hmm. um so i was forced to learn the the why behind everything Mm -hmm. um and then once you learn the why behind things it frees you to really be able to make sure that you're doing a workout for the correct purpose, mm, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I would go out for an easy run, mm-hmm. I knew the effort mm-hmm. and the reason of that easy run was mm-hmm. to recover. And so I knew the effort that I needed to run. Running alone, I can run that exact effort, right? Mm, so mm-hmm. I don't have to be worried about a watch. Uh, I, I never would look at pace. I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. uh, have to worry about running with somebody that was feeling really good that day. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, in Hanover, if I'm going to find somebody to run with, they're going to be a slower runner, so they're sure. going to make yeah, yeah. me jog slower. Right? Right. It might help um, you with that. Yeah. Right. Um, and then the same thing with, with a workout. Um, I would know just because, you know, um, Mark Coogan was a coach of mine, Tim Bro mm-hmm. was a coach of mine, uh, Ray Tracy was a coach of mine, just because mm-hmm. they had written a workout on a particular day, say, Tuesdays, I'm supposed to be doing mile repeats, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was the only one there showing up. And so I would know, hey, if my body isn't fully recovered yet from my last session, mm-hmm. it's okay to push it back a day. Mm-hmm. Um, because what are the goals of, of the workout? It's not um, it's not having to do the workout as prescribed on mm-hmm. the particular day, because nobody knows how quickly or slowly you're, you're going to respond to certain stimuluses or mm-hmm. how your outside life is going to affect your, your ability to recover, your ability to perform. Um, and so by doing it all solo, I, I was able to make those adaptations. Like, mm-hmm. I make those training adjustments on the fly all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's easier not to fry yourself that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the downside is it's easier to not push yourself hard enough that sure. way. Sure, right. Uh, right, right. So there, you know, there, there's pros and cons. Uh, there's a give and take there, yeah. Yes, but it definitely helps with longevity because you're... You know, if you're in a team and you're you're set and you're you know your your workouts are Tuesdays and Fridays and it doesn't matter if you feel good or feel bad, you're doing workouts on Tuesdays and Fridays and you're mm-hmm. always going to have in a group one person that's going to feel good in every single right. workout, <laughs> right? Right. Um, it it may make those workouts uh, may make you run much harder than you should for those mm-hmm. particular workouts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you might be able to get really fit really quickly. Um, but you could uh, might shorten the the uh, window of of how long you're able to hold a particular level of fitness. Sure. Um, whereas for me, uh, I didn't ever really had any peaks or valleys. I just kind of mm-hmm. had one steady thing because I basically trained. <laughs> sure. As to what you would, yeah, yeah. Now, do you do you feel like you real you 
you picked up and realized that a little bit like later on in your career and you were on the on the gas early or was it always just kind of something that you felt that you know you could always adjust or things like that i just speaking personally like as i've gotten older i do not feel nearly as good as i did five ten fifteen years ago and i'm just like yep need an easy day need an easy day is it something that you've like adjusted as you've gotten a little bit older or is it you know something that you're always um easier Mm -hmm. for me so um i was always pretty good so Mm -hmm. i'm a very naturally curious person um And if you tell me something, my, my wife hates me about this. If, if you if you were to tell me something, some fact, mm-hmm. um, and I have any interest in that, mm-hmm. I won't take what you say at face value. I will research it myself. Sure, you're saying, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, because training has been like my life, mm-hmm. it's, it, that's that's been a big aspect of it, right? Sure. So like, why do I do this particular workout? Well, I'm not going to take it face value because someone says for fitness sake or because, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what we're supposed to do or because that's what somebody else told me I should have you do, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, oh no, I want to look down deep and figure out the reasons why and figure out my own beliefs why a particular workout should work. Mm-hmm. And then once you get that, it's easier to see, all right, today that's my objective. Can I actually hit that objective today? Mm-hmm. If I can't hit that objective today, then I'm not recovered correctly and I should push it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, I've always been pretty good at being able to pull the ripcord. Mm-hmm. I haven't been very good at always being okay with that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times earlier in my career, um, the, I mean, uh, like a, a, a good one was in like, um, what was it? 2015. Um, I needed to run the standard for the 5k to go to worlds mm-hmm. and cause I just hadn't run the 5k leading into it. Um, and I went to do a workout on the track and Mark Coogan was my coach at the time. And he mm-hmm. wanted me to run uh, a bunch of mile repeats, I think in, uh, like 420. Mm-hmm. And I went out and the first one I ran was 432 and mm-hmm. I was, I was fried. Sure. Uh, I went to try the next one and I come through the 800 in like 220 and I just run off the track. Don't even like pause the walk, watch <laughs> and, and run to my car and just drive home. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and this you was didn't have a it week. That day. Yeah. Yeah. And this <laughs> was a week before, uh, my only chance of running the 5k standard. So mm-hmm. I'm flying over to Belgium running the Houston, uh, 5k. Mm-hmm. And that was supposedly the last workout before. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm all like down on myself. I know I'm not, I can't run that mm-hmm. workout, right? And I understand the reasons why. And I understand I'm tired. So the only thing I can do is focus on recovering. So mm-hmm. the only thing I can do in that week's time, there's nothing else I can do to get fit. The only mm-hmm. thing I can do is uh, try to feel good. So I would put on my watch, you know, um, the only time I would put paces on my watch is when I had a ceiling. I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm not allowing myself to run anything faster than seven minute pace for the next week. And mm-hmm. maybe I'll do a few strides. Um, and then I get to Houston, still haven't done anything fast. I'm I'm still reeling in the mental anguish of not mm-hmm. being able right, to right. run 430 pace and I need right. to go run a, a fast 5k. Uh, and I end up running, I think, 1305 or 1304. Mm-hmm. And I felt great. And, mm-hmm. and, Right. And it's 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 
as long as you give yourself the recovery, the fitness mm-hmm. is there. The trouble is when you deem that I did poorly in that workout because I'm unfit rather mm-hmm. than I did poorly in that workout because I'm tired mm-hmm. um, and being able to how to make those adaptations so that you can then perform when you need to perform. Mostly it's recovery. Um, mm-hmm. But now as I'm getting older, I'm like, okay, it's easier not to be like, I need to retire from the sport. I, I should quit. There's, there's no point of going because I can't run under 430 in a mile to, oh, no, no, it's perfectly fine. It just means I'm tired. just mm-hmm. means I need two or three days really easy. And then, you know, giving that myself that freedom to be like, okay, focus on recovery. Mm-hmm. It's no big deal. And knowing that the fitness is there, you just need to have the recovery necessary to show the fitness. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're always of this mindset or a lot of times gen- people's nature is just like, go, 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 go. I need more, 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 more. And like taking a step back and like focusing on like the right thing, right? Like again, yeah. like the, the prime example, like you couldn't have done anything in that week leading into that 5k, like it would have just destroyed, you know, everything yeah. physically. And, um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, we get a lot of people that come in and, to the shop and they ask us like leading into a marathon, they might be like a week or two out and they're like, Oh, I'm so behind. And it's like, yeah. you There's literally just, you can do no, you're, that's it. The only thing you could do is mess it up, uh, even more at this right. point. So right. just, just recover. And, but, um, but yeah. Um, so one, one kind of note I had here, um, that I definitely wanted to kind of talk about, like, so you had a, a very long career on the track before moving to the roads. Um, yeah. I know that there's different ways to approach it and things like that from going to that longer distance. Um, but do you feel like staying on the track kind of helped you when you eventually, you know, kind of turned over to the roads into the marathon distance, like as opposed to saying, Hey, I'm out of school at 22, 23, I'm jumping into marathoning 24, 25. How do you, do you feel like the track speed kind of helped you with that longer stuff? Yeah. Um, Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I have a, I have a mixed feelings about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, I, I went on the roads very early in my career, mm-hmm. and and throughout my entire career, I always ran on the roads. Mm-hmm. Um, even even in my best track years, um, I would generally do a road race uh, mm-hmm. like the week or two before a key track race. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked road racing. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that if I were to do it again, mm-hmm. I think I actually would do more road running. Mm-hmm. Um, so I chased something on the track that I thought was valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> even though I enjoyed the road running more, mm-hmm. um, I thought uh, people would like, I thought, when you think about high performance running, you almost think that the track running is at a higher level mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. the road running. At mm-hmm. least it was in my mind 10 years ago, right? Sure. Yep. Um, and so I chased the track mm-hmm. much more than I should have um, when I think that following the real passion of the roads mm-hmm. um, probably would have helped my career even more both for financially mm-hmm. um the roads were much more lucrative um mm-hmm. and even longevity that the track would always beat me up um mm-hmm. a lot um whereas it was just harder on my body mm-hmm. um than the roads especially this is all pre super shoes obviously yeah. and, and pre yeah. super spikes um 
now it probably I'd probably be fine mm-hmm. <laughs> running sure. in yeah, yeah. running in the footwear we have now. Um, but back then, um, it would just beat me up so much mm-hmm. uh, that I think I would have been uh, a much more enjoyable person if I just mm-hmm. ran on the roads. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, for those for those that uh, are listening and that may or may not know, but then you were a American record holder in the five k on on the roads. Yeah. Right. So I mean, that's yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty fast. Was it thirteen <laughs> twenty? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay, um, but yeah, from the longer distance stuff. So you took a stab at um, marathoning in uh, New York City was your first one. Yep. Um, and then you had a build up to New York. Was, yeah, and that one was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that was one of the ones where um, everybody told me to be super conservative, mm-hmm. and I was. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I finished it being like, oh, that was really fun. I want to do it again. Right. right? Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think I had the last, the fastest last 10 K of anybody in the field okay. um, on that day, which is I hilly just, in the park and everything too. Yeah. Right, I, lost I 10Ks just, and I just slipped up a lot in the, like the early 30 <laughs> K. Um, and so that made me feel like, oh, I can actually do something well here. And, and, mm-hmm. and, um, kind of really wanted me to get back at it um and so the following year at new york uh, i was in much better shape um mm-hmm. and i was ready to to go um i have a i have a son who's in daycare who mm-hmm. um made it so there are a lot more germs going on in the sure. house and yeah, yeah. Got, uh, <laughs> i got laid pretty low uh i think two weeks out and mm-hmm. um couldn't run for i think probably 12 or it was like eight days or nine days i couldn't uh couldn't for go for a run and okay. um was like all right sorry it's just good taper good taper good taper and then right, i right. went for a few runs and like three days out from the marathon i was like i can't even do a five mile run mm-hmm. without my heart rate being sky Through high the there's roof. no way yeah. i'm gonna be able to, the only way i'd be able to race is if i went to start the start and then drop out like there's mm-hmm. no way i was gonna get through 20 through the, so i was like i'm finish. not doing that yeah. Um, and I think mentally that took a lot from me. Mm. Um, and so then I was going to do Boston or I did do Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just couldn't get back into that same rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly mentally being able to get back into that training, mm-hmm. training solo in the wintertime. Um, and so I definitely wasn't in as good a shape going into Boston. I wasn't in horrendous shape. Mm-hmm. Um, but then from mile one of Boston, it was, I was, I was out. <laughs> right, right from the get go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, that was the longest, hardest day oh, ever. Yeah. Um, and, and that was I, this past year. This is 2023, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. and I still remember, I still remember being like, I am absolutely done. I've bonked three or four times. I'm there's there's no <laughs> way I can run another step and seeing the mile marker eleven and oh, being Jesus. like I'm not even halfway through. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and you're not even like not only you're not halfway through, but like again, no part of the marathon. I'm still on the easy slide yeah, downhill part. Descent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you still got sixteen to twenty one or whatever, yeah. you know, of all the hills and yeah, that's a long day in the office, brother. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get you know, I I uh, I did want to kind of to to chat a little bit about that in terms of like, and I don't know, maybe you don't have the answer to to it just yet, but like, how do you bounce back from something 
like that where you're just completely, you know, I mean, fall 22, it's not like you were in really good shape. It just didn't pan out due to sickness. Um, you had a pretty good run at, at United half and before, you know, before um, Boston. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, have you bounced back or mentally, how do you bounce back in general just from when you have a clunker? Um, not speaking specifically to Boston, yeah, but just yeah, in yeah. general from your I career. Mean, Boston was more than a clunker. Right. But yeah. <laughs> also, mind you, to mere mortals, you ran 216. So, but still, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it, it is different. Um, mm-hmm. I think something like the marathon, um, at least for me, is harder um, because you put so much time and energy into one particular race mm-hmm. um, that that is that is challenging. Um, yeah. And you almost have to, like, go through a grieving process afterwards where, yeah. um, in my mind, the best is always to step away. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not from like society but step away from sure. running mm-hmm. um and so you know take time off uh mm-hmm. try to try to go and be active doing other things mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know ride a bike mm-hmm. uh you know do some cross training um you can still train it's just maybe not running and give mm-hmm. your body the 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 space um and give your mind the space to uh move past it and give it time to to recover fully mm-hmm. um and so it can range. It can, it can take a week. It can take two months. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to be able to really get over those, um, it's being patient and allowing the body to come back. And, mm-hmm. and w- the sign that I always have that I'm back is that you start getting excited to run again and you start mm-hmm. getting, um, big motivation. And you start getting really competitive again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always like to almost hold back even from that. So I always mm-hmm. say like, coming back from something once you start to get the the drive to run again wait another like two or three days sure and right, then right. start back up um, right. you still and, have that drive yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um so yeah i mean speaking speaking to training and things like that um you know we had talked briefly before we jumped on but kind of where where are you at mindset wise where are you at training wise um yeah, how you how you feeling? You know, from this point in your uh, in your career. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'll never rule anything out. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, basically, um, I, I remember having having this conversation uh, with a few other uh, pros around you mm-hmm. know the dinner table at a, at a race and. Um, for me, um, when when my son was born, mm-hmm. um, he's like two and a half years old now. Mm-hmm. The uh, the piss and vinegar, like the real like drive, competitive. I want to rip somebody's head off, mm-hmm. um, which I definitely had early mm-hmm. in my career and mm-hmm. what fueled me for a lot of my solo training sessions and, mm-hmm. and fueled me for the last 400 meters and in, in a track race, uh, kind of disappeared. Sure. Right. Um, and so then you have to look at the sport slightly differently. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I remember Kiera was talking about how she viewed the sport as an escape from her life with her kids. Mm-hmm. And she was able to, um, use it as a way to have something for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, once that uh, aggression disappeared, 
mm-hmm. um, it was hard for me to see it, the sport of running, outside of what it is, which is just play and it's just nonsense mm-hmm. in a way, right? Sure. And the great yeah, yeah. of things, you know, competitive running is absolutely hilarious. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and it's hard for me to see it outside of that. Sure. And so now trying to see it as, all right, what is running actually? Well, it's, it's people having fun. All right, mm-hmm. now let's go with, let's have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, am I able to um, make myself hurt as much in the training necessary to be competitive at the level necessary in today's Mm -hmm. world, Mm -hmm. um, going in with a fun, a playful mindset. That's been hard. Sure. Right. right, Um, but it's made me want to help others achieve Mm -hmm. their goals in, in, in running in the sport, because now it's fun for me to see other people succeed, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. more. And so my mind shift has shifted a lot more from, how can I get the most out of myself mm-hmm. to how can I help somebody else better themselves in the sport? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of naturally shifted more to like a coaching role mm-hmm. more than like an athlete role. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, segue. Cause kind of one of the, one of the next notes that I kind of made here was, you know uh, you know, you started Northwood athletics, right? Yep. So um, yeah. So if, you know, what's the, what's the goal with that club? What's the little bit of history with that club? Um, I was on the the website last night, ordered myself up a t-shirt. It's oh, a nice. Port. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. The little <laughs> maple leaf one. It was oh, pretty cool. Yeah. So I'll be waiting patiently for the mail to come with that one. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, so from, from, uh, again, more of that coaching perspective, like, you know, what's Northwood kind of all about? Yeah. So Northwood started as, um, an idea of when you're looking at running Mm -hmm. and you want to be a professional runner, um, really all the options are joining a training group out West, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Or having to be a part of one particular shoe brand and then going to where that shoe brand decides you should go. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think... I personally don't think that's a good strategy. I don't think that helps elevate running as a whole. I think that helps elevate shoe brands by a lot, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think that helps necessarily distance running as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I never liked the idea that people, especially new Englanders felt that they had to leave new England Mm -hmm. to, to continue to run. Um, And so Northwoods is kind of born out of this idea that um, we can create a, New England centered training mm-hmm. group that is brand agnostic. That mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who you are, you can come run. Doesn't matter what distance you run for, like run, you mm-hmm. can come. Doesn't matter what surface you run. Um, mm-hmm. So trail running is becoming a lot more popular, um, and so we have a bunch of trail athletes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that fundamentally, running is running, and everybody can bring their strengths and their weaknesses to the table and we can all help each other right Mm -hmm. so um a trail runner uh tends to both have depending on the the distance of the trail but you can either be almost like a miler or you can be more like a marathoner right Mm -hmm. um but on the day-to-day you're still just a runner um and so there's a ton of overlap 
Mm-hmm. Um, and how we can build a community because throughout my career, I have greatly realized that running with others is much more fun and sure, right? <laughs> you can get a lot more out of yourself by running with others. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of the idea. Um, and from that, we've created as well a, a club team um, mm-hmm. that where we have 50 people um, that are mm-hmm. on the club team. Um, they're all through New... Actually, they're all over the United States. Majority of them are, are in New England area. Mm-hmm. Um, and they race in the Northwood Singlet all through uh, different uh, local um, races of, on all surfaces and all distances as well. Um, mm-hmm. So so it's been a lot of fun um, mm-hmm. and and trying to trying to grow that up so that people have more opportunities um, mm-hmm. to where they want to train. Um, I sincerely believe that where we are here, it's called the Upper Valley, um, mm-hmm. at the Hanover, New Hampshire area, um, has some of the best running in the country mm. outside of the wintertime. Um, the wintertime is not a great place to run. Yeah, but it's when you cross-country ski. ski. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> are, you still um, do- are you still doing a little bit of that? or? I, uh, for the majority of my career, I've always left during the mm-hmm. winter time. Um, mm-hmm. So I have not been tempted to Nordic ski. Sure. Uh, last year was the first year that I was home for the whole winter because uh, my wife is currently in grad school. And mm-hmm. um, so we had to stay put. Um, and so we got skis. Uh, we got uh, new Nordic skis and okay. went out a few times. This year, looking forward to getting out more. Nice. Yeah. nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd mentioned your wife, Sarah. Um, so for people that... that uh, may or may not know but she's an absolute uh stud she's very good yeah she's a triathlete (laughs) um you know two-time olympian um you know so one thing that i am always intrigued by um and especially given your history as a professional and the level that you ran at and where she's at what what's i know we're kind of transitioning a little quickly but what's like your What's harder for you to do, watch her race or you race yourself? I feel like it's... Mm. Um, so when I'm racing, I control everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she's racing, I, I have no control over anything. Right, right, right. right. Um, so so it is, it is uh, harder. Um, I feel like I... What's the best way? I only dread her races, watching her races, um, because the entire time I'm worried something bad is going to happen. Sure. Um, Where uh, she was when she raced ITU, which is the the Olympic distance stuff. um, Mm -hmm. She was known to ride. um, We're going to get in the weeds a little bit of of triathlon, but... um, ITU is draft legal, and she would mm-hmm. always ride in the back of the front pack, um, mm-hmm. the very last bit, which is one of the most dangerous spots to, mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. race. And um, because of every corner, you have to put out a bigger differential in power, right? So mm-hmm. you have to slam on your brakes going into a corner earlier, slow down even more, and then you have to sprint even harder out of the corner, the elastic effect, mm-hmm. to catch back up to the group. Whereas if you're in the front of the 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 peloton you can kind of coast into the corner and you mm-hmm. can you know it's, it's all easy um and so that was all it would always be so nerve-wracking and i would mm. just like yell at the computer screen move up move up like get a better <laughs> position um and and so like every i'd always be worried of 
will that an elastic snap and mm. like will will there be a crash that now mm-hmm. she has no opportunity to get around it she has to go right plowing right through mm-hmm. it um and stuff like that um and then most recently she's had some uh f- fairly famous heat issues um yeah. there's there's a few races that were very televised but that she had some some heat issues mm-hmm. um and now moving to the ironman kona mm-hmm. Very hot is sure. the world championships. And so um, the last few years watching Kona, it's always like like hoping she gets through and doesn't overheat. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's the biggest thing. And so those are the I know that if the bad things don't happen, she's very, mm-hmm. very talented and she will do well. And sure. so it's always like just don't let this <laughs> just nothing, happen. <laughs> nothing bad happens, everything will be okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's and I think too, I mean, to even to get your take too on like you know, from, from that perspective, she's your wife on the other side of like coaching athletes. I feel like I've had limited experience with coaching high school. I would get more stressed about watching like my athletes race because again, it's more of a control thing. I know I can control when I'm racing, but I can't control when they're racing. Like, do you feel the same way with like the athletes that you're coaching, you know, with Northwoods and, and, and that? Yeah. So I haven't had two, two, many athletes race yet under mm-hmm. me um a lot of them so it's it's it's, mm, it's a yes or no and no mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so there's um what i get really worried about is when or not worried stress high mm-hmm. anxiety um is when the athlete <clears throat> is trying to do something that maybe out slightly outside of their fit, current fitness mm. level mm-hmm. uh, because there's more chance of fireworks of blow. Sure, right. right. <laughs> there, there's, yeah. there's more chance that, yeah, it might succeed, but it might also might crumble and fall. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, when an athlete is very, very fit, I'm not that worried. Um, mm-hmm. And when an athlete is like very, uh, more realistic with their mm-hmm. fitness and their race strategy, um, much less worried because sure. I'm like, all right, they're, they're actually, I've seen what they've done. Right. So your result is just a testament of all the work you've done. And so mm-hmm. if I've seen the work you've done. This is the range that I assume things were going to go mm-hmm. barring any catastrophe. Right. Sure. Um, and it's when people's expectations are far outside of that realm. That's when right. I start really start get a little that. bit concerned. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so a couple more things I had like notes down here for, um, you know, before we let you go. Um, so not only do, do we share a passion for running, but we also share a passion for, for coffee. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So I'm sure you've been asked plenty of times about, uh, about your coffee endeavors and things like that. But, um, yeah, I was looking a little bit around and it looks like you're into a little bit of roasting and yeah, is this yeah. kind of like a a side hustle or is it just a hobby or just a hobby uh, for now. Yeah. Um, it's always been something that I've wanted to do. I've always thought I got into coffee, um, in the later years of college. And it's always, mm-hmm. I've always thought it as, um, basically my third career. Sure. Right. right, right. <laughs> so like I'd run for a while and then I'd do something else. to hopefully make some money. And then like <laughs> the, the, the final career would be like the, the coffee world. Right. Right. Um, right. And, uh, 
so I've always been very interested in it, followed it. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Lindens and us mm-hmm. uh, started a company um, a few years ago um, that proceeded to... Um, we ended up launching the coffee company the same mm-hmm. weekend that Des Linden won the Boston Marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, Good timing. We weren't, it was great timing. Yeah. We were not planning on Des winning. Um, right. And that was the year uh, that... It was, it was like raining really sideways and yeah, yeah, yeah. people were getting hypothermia. It was, it was more stuff. of yeah. the who's the toughest runner, which yeah. clearly yeah. is Des. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. And so it kind of grew much faster than than mm-hmm. we wanted to at mm-hmm. that particular time in, mm-hmm. in our careers. Um, and so uh, after a year, Sarah, my wife and I bowed out. And mm-hmm. and so it's just the Lindens now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have but, a Linden and True hat somewhere. Oh, yes. Uh, like a flannel. It was like yep. flannel, if I remember yep. correctly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, I got nice. one of those floating nice. around. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Um, and so, uh, I mean, I still have like I, I got a bigger roaster when 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 we were doing that, and sure. so I still have that. I still do that for fun, and so mm. uh, yeah, it's so it's, fun. it's the the secret prologue. Is that uh, yeah? That's what so it's that's under. Like okay, the, yeah. So that's like the thought of it is like it's brewed whenever the, you want to, or, or roasted whenever you feel like you want to roast. It's kind of the yes. gist. I yeah, mean, okay. it, that, that is the hobby, but like it's called the secret prologue because it's like, you know, it's the hobby I don't want too many people to know about. It's a business. I don't want it to be a business. Sure, right, right. Um, and it's like, what's going to happen before ideally the secret prologue becomes something else. So sure. it's the prologue to the actual company later on funny. down the road. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so that, that's, that's how, that's what the name came from. Oh, <laughs> but that's yes. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so kind of one more one more talking point and then we got some couple of listener questions and and one one curveball for you. All um, right. We love to ask all of our guests. But um but before we get to those like you know we are a shoe store. Um I think you know um again you and I being around the same age we kind of are um of this generation where you know we began I don't even want to call what I did a career but we kind of began our running journeys your career um in shoe tech that wasn't that advanced or that crazy. And in the middle of all of this, you know, within the last four to five years, it's just absolutely exploded. Um, you know, be it super shoes on the roads or um, super spikes on the track. You know, what I guess is your take or feedback or um, welcoming those changes, opposed to those changes, where, where are you at with that stuff? Yeah. So we're always going to innovate. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. you, you can't you can't kill innovation. Sure. Um, you can't. If you look throughout history, track material, road material, they've mm-hmm. all changed. People have gotten faster through tech as well as through just training, getting better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think in now or in like another five years, mm-hmm. um, it will be a non-issue. Mm-hmm. I think the real issue that I saw was that there was this window of time when there was great disparity mm-hmm. between the haves and the haves-nots. Sure. Yep. Um, when what you wore on your feet was a bigger decider of how the race was going to play out mm-hmm. than the your fitness level. Mm-hmm. I think it's 
much more of an even playing field now mm-hmm. uh, I would, than I would it was. Definitely agree. Um, and yeah. but there was a time when there was great disparity. And yes, you can't blame a a Nike mm-hmm. for putting that innovation in, putting the R and D in, putting the money in, and being like, yeah, you you won that market share for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you 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 can't like fault them for it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but it then became a for a brief time a complete unfair advantage for the world of professional athletics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked to have seen uh, World Athletics or IAAF mm-hmm. or whatever they want to call themselves now um, take bigger steps to make it so that big of a gap didn't mm-hmm. happen so quickly, mm-hmm. and it kind of allowed companies to make it so that it was more of a we can still go with the tech but make mm-hmm. it more of an even playing field mm-hmm. the great the thing is once it's released from the genie like it released from the bottle like right. there, there's no putting it back right no no there's no um, going backwards i think at that point yeah right yeah. um and so i i think that that's the thing i mean you look at some of like the high jumping um mm-hmm. they've had strict rules about um insult uh Mm. height for a very long time because mm-hmm. of shoe tech mm-hmm. um people were just running in taller shoes to get a higher center higher of mass so they could mm. so they could jump higher hmm. um so that happened and that was a very swift and very concise and, and mm-hmm. it was you know i think it's 13 millimeters you can't wear anything higher than that mm-hmm. um don't quote me on that but i think it's around there um yeah. and so it'd been nice to have like world athletics have a quick response kind of like that um but because the shoe was already out, they had to go with what the shoe had mm-hmm. to be able to fit. And now there's shoes that are deemed illegal. Mm-hmm. And now, now it's opened the floodgates of mm-hmm. now do we have to now we have to check shoes. Mm-hmm. Like that, I mean that's that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially too, like um <laughs> like from the elite perspective, it's one thing to to check or know, but like, you know, technically people in the masses of those races like they could be technically running in illegal shoes right but and depending on road racing depending on who you're uh if you're verified or not or ratified Mm -hmm. by certain companies like falmouth road race for example Mm -hmm. falmouth road race i think you could wear illegal shoes and Mm -hmm. still be perfectly fine winning the race Mm -hmm. in because it is not under any Certain umbrella of it yeah right yeah right um and so now now it's gotten a little crazy um Mm -hmm. but and now it's, they're like the rules you can't wear road shoes on the track because mm-hmm. they give you like now now it's gotten weird <laughs> yeah yeah it's just it's just so interesting to me because i feel like you know running like you had mentioned like yeah we've seen technological advances from the track or even if you just look at like you know we're, we weren't running around in leather spikes before super spikes came right. out right? right but i feel like in other sports like you know in cycling in swimming like they've dealt with it before and are uh, have a little bit more guidance and guidelines we're running like the technological changes that came before the last couple of years like it didn't push the sport forward as much in that shorter period of time or i feel like these other sports it's like yeah they already knew that these types of wetsuits were going to make people faster and they made them only legal in certain you know uh, races or things like that or bike and aerodynamic type stuff like yeah i feel like running's just never had to deal with it to that extent um but no, I definitely, I do agree though. Now it's been a little bit more of a leveled playing field. You yeah. know, I think even from our side, like as a retailer, like we've seen 
like the first iter- even the first iterations on a lot of the brand's attempts at that stuff and it was just like yeah. good luck good luck right, you know right. like it wasn't it was not going to hold up it was not going to compete um but now it's gotten to the point where pretty much every brand has their own super shoe that's gonna right. kind of compete with everything and probably um, uh, i mean there's always going to be some percentage difference and there's mm-hmm. as you run i mean that's another thing that every study has shown that like what these super shoes do is they help a certain population more than they help other population. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you have some responders or non responders, you're always going to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens the most is it's the five to 10 percenters. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the ones that are um, second tier, mm-hmm. right? Get the biggest bang for the buck, and so they become closer to the one to three percenters. Mm-hmm. Um, so the very fastest in the world, mm-hmm. um, if you look at a lot of the data, haven't actually gotten that much faster from mm-hmm. the super shoes. Mm-hmm. But it's that group right behind, or like the group like two behind, mm-hmm. that have closed the gap. Mm-hmm. Whereas without the super shoes, they would still be a fairly wide margin between. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's even slower like the the 50 percentile they mm-hmm. help them a little bit but it's not helping them the same amount as that you know that 10 percent right uh, group yeah. yeah i think it's interesting too because the depth i mean not to get too totally down a, a side tangent here but like the depth uh, in in u.s marathoning has gotten insane from yeah. that to 14 to two you know, 18 to 20 range. Like yeah. it, it's never been as deep as it is. I mean, the, the, still that's a far shot from making a team or things like that. But just the fact that, you know, your person working at the local running shop, not ours, uh, but just in general, you know, you might be dealing with someone that's running 215 and you just have, you know, just regular common person, not, yeah. not a common person, but you know what I mean? It's not as yeah, crazy yeah. as it was 10 years ago. Right. You know, so, right. um, but cool. Um, so yeah, a couple listener questions before uh, before we let you run. Yeah. Um, so through Instagram, we had a couple come in here for you. So um, you were chatting a little bit about coffee. Um, so your favorite type of coffee and how do you take it? Uh, so I usually do um, just like a filter brew. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can pour over, um, drink it black. Um the type of coffee highly depends on my mood a particular day. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but I tend to like a slightly uh, brighter, fruitier, sweeter cup. Um, so uh, I don't know, like a <clears throat> typical Actron of like 75. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that this is going to get the nerdy. So right, right, right. slightly lighter roast and, and uh, slightly uh, sweeter profile. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, so what's your go-to meal pre easy day versus workout long run? Like a, like a harder effort. So I don't change my diet too much depending on the workout. Um, I mean, I'm somebody that just likes to eat real food. And mm-hmm. that's about it. Um, right. I always eat oatmeal in the morning. Um, that's like the only one thing I do. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, our uh, we eat a lot of um, rice 
pasta mm-hmm. um, with a bunch of veggies and some meat in it um, for dinner is usually our our standard go to. Uh, so yeah, nice. just making sure you, you eat enough to to be able to fool yourself. That I've I've always said that you know you get this fancy car that's like a Ferrari if you don't put gas in it to be able to drive it then it's just a really expensive paperweight and there's no there's no point yeah that's a good way of looking at it um have you ever wanted to do a triathlon for fun no no okay (laughs) Uh, so i i love cycling i'm a Mm -hmm. huge fan of cycling Mm -hmm. um i am a horrendous swimmer Sure. Um, and so my wife and I, uh, used to, well, my wife used to joke that I could not do an Ironman because I would literally die in the, right swim. In the swim. I could not go to 2.4 mile mm-hmm. swim. Um, I have since convinced her that I would be living at the end of the swim. Right. I might not make the swim in the time cut. Because right. there is a time cut, uh, but I'd at least emerge from the water alive. Right. You would and still so be that's, breathing. That's the bar the end. that we're at. Right. <laughs> well, I think it's. I mean, I think it's pretty common for for like runners if they transition, like they could do the bike, and then the swim is like what gets them because it's so technical, right? Yeah. You know, in terms of the the form and stuff, but yeah, um, swimming definitely helps to do at a younger age sure. a lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so last listener question, uh, how do you and Sarah split training time as two professional athletes with young, uh, with a young kid at home? Yeah. Um, so before the kid wasn't mm-hmm. an issue. Sure. Um, now, um, it actually, again, isn't that much of an issue because mm-hmm. my wife is in grad school most okay. of the time. Um, <laughs> and so she's out of the house from eight to, I don't know, seven to nine at night for a lot Mm -hmm. of the week um and so her trouble is just trying to find time to train Mm -hmm. sure most of that time of training is when the our kid is asleep so Mm -hmm. um uh luckily uh my son goes to daycare in the daytime and so that's when i can train Mm -hmm. um so that's that's kind of how it works Have a good uh, split. currently. So, nice, so it works. Nice. Other, but other times like when daycare isn't around and like um, when Sarah has a break from school, uh, we just have to divvy up the day and be like, all right, you got an hour now. All right. I get an hour. And Trade off. You, and, yeah. 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 <laughs> nice. All right. So one last question that we uh, we ask all of our guests and uh, it's a little bit of a curveball. All right. So take some time to think about it. Um, <laughs> but. If you had the opportunity to uh, create a running shoe and name it after yourself, what would it, that name be and why? Oh. Or name it for yourself, not name after yourself. But okay, name, okay, yeah, okay, put, okay. Yeah. Um, and it could be a trainer. It could be a spike. It could be anything yeah. you want. You're the product line manager. Nice. Um, <laughs> so I, I will say that there was a shoe um reebok made a shoe a while ago Mm -hmm. called grat the grass road shoe or grass um because there's a road in hanover that's Mm. called grass road um Mm -hmm. and it's fairly short and it's dirt and it's where we all do our hill repeats Um, all through college we did hill repeats i still do hill repeats up at now Mm -hmm. um and so that shoe's always had a close heart I've actually never worn the shoe uh, because I've always been with a different shoe company. Uh, But that one's always held dear to my heart just because Mm -hmm. I've logged so many miles Mm -hmm. um, on this hill. And then having the hill be, you know, 
honored with their is with sure. their shoe. Um, yeah. So I would go with. Um, I think I would go with something that was that'd be very similar to, uh, honestly, something t- very similar to the uh, Saucony Cavara, uh, mm-hmm. where it's a lightweight trainer. Um, I would want it to have slightly better arch support. Um, mm-hmm. I while I loved the Cavara, I could never wear it for very many miles mm-hmm. uh, because it, um, the arch support wasn't there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but something along those lines where you can mm-hmm. kind of do everything in it. I love I love being able to have one shoe that I can do strides in. I can do um, hard workouts in, but I also can do my daily mileage in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what I would name it. I, I would, uh, <laughs> I'd probably just name it the workhorse, something, the workhorse. something that will do it all. Dude, I love it. Cause I think, you know, when I, when I think of Ben true, I actually do think of like just a workhorse, you know what I mean, <laughs> man? Like just, just grinding, you know, um, throughout your career. So, um, all right, so let's wrap this this up here. So um, before we let you go, Ben, is there anything that you would like the people to know or anything that you you want to get out there? Um, n- no, I have no. fun running and uh, yeah. <laughs> check out check out Northwoods, you know, and, yes. and uh, yeah, yeah. help support uh, all the athletes that we have. Um, we have a, a new athlete coming from Germany today. Um, oh, wow. And so Celine Reeder, um, she mm. went to Lee University. She's a D2 NCAA champion um, a few times. Um, so be excited to have her. Lauren Gregory is here uh, from Arkansas. Um, and we have uh, Parley, who's a marathoner, who'll be at the mm-hmm. trials, um, but okay. is actually focusing on Boston Marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Dan Kurtz, who's who's a trail runner, um, and so that's kind of the the group we have here in town, and we're mm-hmm. trying to grow that. We also have a few remote athletes, but um, yeah, check out check out the Northwoods. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, in the outro, I'll give a little bit of a shout out to Instagram handles and tags and all that sort of stuff. So right. um, we'll get all that covered. Um, even Perfect, to the because uh, I don't think I've logged in my personal Instagram for <laughs> over a year. So yeah, send yeah. people that way. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not missing much, man. Uh, you're not missing much. Uh, so awesome. So Ben, thank you. Uh, you know, so much for for giving us a bit of your time this afternoon and and sharing. Um, you know, your knowledge and, and experience. Um, you know, with the Runners High community. Um, I think just hearing your philosophy on on uh, on training and coaching. Um, makes me want to lace up again and, and uh, get ra- get racing. But, uh, but again, we appreciate hosting um, you know, a professional like yourself with such a, a, a long and uh, accomplished career. So um, yeah, thank you so much again. And uh, yeah, we'll catch up with you soon. All right. Well, thanks for so, having me. Great talking right. with you. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yep. All righty, guys. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Thanks again to Ben for giving us some of his time this afternoon. You can find him on Instagram at Ben J. True, along with Northwoods Athletics. That's just at Northwoods Athletics and his coffee roastery that can be found at The Secret Prologue. And before we sign off, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with friends and family. And let's keep this show rolling. Until next time, this has been another episode 
of What's Inside the Box, presented by Runner's High. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.